Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, we'll talk about the origin of the word honeymoon and the difference between where and in which. But first, I have a correction from last week. It's pronunciation again, my downfall. Thanks to both Ben and Cynthia, who pointed out that the Alaskan Native people are not the Tlingit. It's pronounced Tlingit. And in case it helps anyone when they are editing, I've noticed that I seem to tend to miss things when I'm really worried about something else in the sentence or paragraph. For example, I was worried about Hoochanoo, and I also kept mispronouncing Admiralty Island. I had to look it up and re-record it a bunch of times, and then I completely missed Clinket and just assumed it was pronounced like it looked from the spelling. So from now on, I'm going to remind myself to be extra careful with words around other words that are giving me problems, and that seems like it might be a useful editing tip for other people, too. And now, on to the show. Alan on Twitter asked us to look into the origin of the word honeymoon after he got a sentence in Duolingo that included the phrase la luna de mil, which also seems to translate literally to moon of honey. What does honey have to do with it? Well, let's start with the idea of a honeymoon in general and moon cycles. Do you know that most couples get married in the months of May through October in the United States? Well, even if you didn't know that, you probably know what follows a wedding is the honeymoon. Today, we tend to think of a honeymoon as a vacation for newlyweds, but it used to refer to simply the 30 days or so after a wedding, hence the word moon in honeymoon. A lunar cycle is 29.53 days and begins with a new moon. That's when the moon, if you can see it, looks like a black disk in the night sky. As the moon orbits the Earth, Earth orbits the Sun, and the angles between Sun, Moon, and Earth change, resulting in changes in the amount of sunlight reflected off the moon. In the first quarter of the lunar cycle, you see a little bit more of the moon each night in its waxing phases. Then, in the last quarter, you gradually see less and less of the moon during its waning phases. Waxing, in this context, means growing or increasing. Conversely, waning means to decrease, decline, or diminish. Both waxing and waning can be used to describe more than moon phases. Many things wax and wane, and that brings us back to the word honeymoon. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, John Haywood, an English writer of plays, poems, and proverbs, is credited with first using honeymoon, two words, in print in 1546 to refer to the first month of marriage. 
Through the centuries, various spellings have emerged in print, but they all referred to the same thing. Mirthfulness that grows at the beginning of something new and then gradually wanes. That new thing could be marriage, employment, or some other new phase or experience in life when those initial days are marked by friendliness, happiness, and goodwill that gradually wanes in sweetness. Some have suggested that honey in honeymoon can be traced back to the 5th century, when newly married couples were given a month's supply of mead, which was a sweet fermented drink made from honey. In the first month, as a married couple, the mead waned, as did the sweetness of being newly married. Even if you've never been married, you've likely had a honeymoon period in some other context. Maybe you had a new job or roommate and experienced an initial sense of excitement and getting along well that lasted for a time until gradually waning. And that's when we might say, well, the honeymoon's over. When a honeymoon is over, it doesn't necessarily mean that spouses no longer love each other or co-workers and roommates no longer get along. It simply means that the novelty of the new situation has waned and demonstrates what we already know through experience, that the excitement associated with starting something new is transient. Honeymoons are wonderful, but they don't last forever because, by definition, something can only be new for a short time. That segment was written by Brenda Thomas, a freelance writer and online educator. In this segment, we'll be looking at the words which and where. In some sentences, either one is correct, but which one you choose depends on your audience. Consider these two sentences. This is the store at which I met my friend. And this is the store where I met my friend. As you can probably guess, which is more formal than where. In the two sentences about this store, the words which and where both function as relative pronouns. Relative pronouns such as who and that introduce dependent clauses. So in the sentence, the dog that I adopted needed its shots, the clause that I adopted is a dependent clause headed up by the relative pronoun that. The relative pronouns which and where specifically describe place. If you want to discuss where you adopted the puppy, you might say, the pound at which I found Spot was on State Street. That's a pretty formal-sounding sentence, though. You might say that sentence in a courtroom or in another formal situation. Other than maintaining formality, there are two valid reasons you might want to use which instead of where. Many times you can add a preposition before the relative pronoun which to make your sentence quite precise. For example, the house at which I saw you has a slightly different meaning from the house in which I saw you. In the second example, you were definitely inside the house. If you use where, you lose the subtle distinction. The house where I saw you could mean you were inside or outside the house. The other reason you might want to use which is to avoid using a preposition at the end of a sentence. That isn't wrong, but quite a few people still think it's wrong, so it can be distracting or risky in some situations, like writing a cover letter for a job application. For example, the sentence, this is the desk in which the papers are stored, is probably safer than this is the desk the papers are stored in. 
But in that particular sentence, a more natural-sounding solution is to use where, as in, this is the desk where the papers are stored. Think back to the puppy sentence we said at the beginning. You probably wouldn't say pound at which to a friend in normal conversation. You'd most likely say the pound where I found spot was on State Street. You might also find yourself saying I found spot at the State Street pound, bypassing the which or where conundrum altogether. Another time you'd probably favor where over which is when you're using an informal contraction in your sentence. Take a sentence quoted in Garner's Modern English Usage. Garner says, In the following example, the contraction I've might not comfortably fit in the same sentence as in which. Hence, where is justifiable. I've deliberately chosen an example where this unspeakable cluster did not stand out. Now, I'm not sure what cluster this person was talking about, but that's irrelevant for our current discussion. We're just pointing out that a formal which doesn't sound right along an informal contraction like I've. Every time you write something, you as the author have to decide which words or phrases are appropriate. So it's up to you to decide whether to use which or where in your particular sentence. If your audience expects formal grammar, consider using a which construction. If your audience is more relaxed, you can use where. If you do choose to use where, though, you need to be aware of one common error. When you use where, you need to ensure that you're talking about place, not time. For example, it'd be incorrect to use a form of where in this sentence. He was born somewhere around 1970. The year 1970 is a time, not a place, so you'd have to say some time instead of somewhere. That segment was by Bonnie Mills, who's been a copy editor since 1996. Finally, I have a funny family story from Josh. Hey, Grammar Girl, this is Josh from San Francisco, and I've got a family story for you. Back when I was about five or six and living in New Jersey, our family friends, Joyce and Steve, were babysitting, and they took me out to the Olive Garden. If you've been there, you'll know that at the end of the meal, they'll give you one of those complimentary Andy's candies with the check. Olive Garden's version is a chocolate that has a mint green layer on one side and chocolate on the other. But I was little, and I didn't know what it was, and I asked. Uh, the thing to know about Joyce and Steve is that they were jokesters, and instead of giving me a straight answer, Joyce replied, That? Well, that's a Phoebus Statter, of course. Apparently, I was pretty spoiled back then because after I was returned to my parents, I stomped around the house shouting, I want a Phoebus Statter! I want Phoebus Statter! And my parents had no idea what I was talking about. Not being able to take it anymore, my mom grabbed the phone, dialed and yelled, Joyce, I don't know what a Fevastatter is, but I know this is your doing. Obviously, we've been calling the uh, Andy's Candies Fevastatters ever since, and next time you come across one, I hope you will too. Thanks, Josh. Joyce sounds like a hoot. If you want to call with a story of your family act, a word your family and only your family uses, you can leave a voicemail at 833214-GIRL, and I might play it on the show. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find articles that go with each podcast segment at my website, quickanddirtytips.com. Thanks to my audio engineer, Nathan Sems, and my editor, Adam Cecil. Our operations and editorial manager is Michelle Margulis, our assistant manager is Emily Miller, and our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin. That's all. Thanks for listening.
When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils, you'll want to invite everyone over, from book club to the fantasy league, even the in-laws. It smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils are infused with two times more natural essential oils versus regular Airwick Scented Oils for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Hmm. Transform your space with scents like white sage and mahogany or lavender and water lily. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.